Even the impossible is possible with our God. Let the church say amen to that. How good is that to, to lead into what we're talking about here in the book of Acts? Turn to chapter 12 this morning. That's where we're going to be out of. And I, I want us to continue with that thought. It is uh, Thanksgiving week, but truly we are to always be thankful. Amen. Acts chapter 12, we're here um, hearing a, a wonderful account of of God setting someone free. And I hope today that you understand that God is a God of redemption, that <laughs> we don't know where that's coming from. Okay. <laughs> Apparently worship is not done yet. All right. And that was Imagine Dragons, wasn't it? You bet. You can't play that stuff in here. All right, anyways, Acts chapter 12. Let's look here. Starting with verse 1 is where we're going to be out of. We're going to be talking about this idea of a God who redeems, a God who, who sets people free. I, I can relate to that because I'm a person who, who needed to be set free. I, I still need to be set free from my humanity. And our God is good in that way, amen? Look at verse 1. It says, about that time, Herod, the king, laid violent hands of some who belonged to the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. And this was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was about to be done by the angel who was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. And it opened for them of its own accord. And they went out. And they went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. And when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent an angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And I like this part. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not even open the gate, but she ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. She kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him, and they were amazed by motioning to them with his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison, and he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers, 
Then he departed and he went to another place. Our Heavenly Father, we see a man who was set free in a very dark situation. And God, today I'm reminded how we are all in need of deliverance. Every one of us. But you are good and you are a gracious God and we look to you today because you are the author of our salvation. God, would you, would you move today as only you can move? Because God, we trust you in your most holy name. Amen. I love this account because you, you have this man, um, which by the way, there's been a murder within the church, right? There's a murder. There's uh, James, the, the brother John, is killed by the, sword, by the sword. And I want you guys to think about that for a moment. Have you ever been killed by a sword? Anybody here? Anyone? Okay, we got a couple. You were killed by us back in the back. One of our sound guys, he was, he was killed by, uh, was that in Rome or where was that? It was in Rome. Okay, all right. Um, so this man is killed. I mean, I'm talking like dead as a doornail, right? And the church knew this. And, and here we know that Peter, he's imprisoned. And not just in prison, but he has like all these guards who are around him. Like they're not letting him out of their sight. They'd already heard about this guy. And so when the church comes together, they're praying. But they're, they're maybe praying with a little bit of like, well, it's not going to be good news. You ever prayed those kind of prayers? Like you believe God can do something big, but in their heart, you're just like, it's not going to happen. And in their mind, they thought Peter was, he was goner. And I think maybe even at the core here, we see where Peter thinks he's a goner too, right? I mean, for crying out loud, he is, he's in prison. There's, there's guards on either side of him. But then an angel of the Lord comes. God did only what he could do. That angel of the Lord said, hey, get up, put your shoes on, right? Put your stretchy pants on, let's go. It's time to get out of here. And they walk through one gate to the next gate, and then they get to the metal gate, right? I mean, this is the, this is, this is the, the gate from the prison to the city. It's the secured gate for sure. Just like walking in Walmart or Walgreens, that, that gate just went whoop, just opened right up. And Peter's just following right along. And then all of a sudden the angel's gone and he's like, surely God set me free. Surely God, church, if I could get us for a moment this morning to stop and to realize surely God has set us free. Think about that. That we get to a point that we are beyond thankful. Don't be generic this Thanksgiving, okay? Don't be generic about it. Don't say I'm thankful just because everybody's saying it. But be thankful knowing where the blessings come from. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's, that's the cry of the church. Peter didn't know. He, he had probably kind of given up maybe in his mind a little bit. We tend to, to lift Peter up and the, the other apostles as they were just perfect men, right? He's setting in prison, right? He was in prison. But God delivered. And the church a kind of a dread had settled upon the church. They knew that God was good. They knew that, that God could deliver, but in their minds they're thinking it's not going to happen. And so Peter goes to the only place he knows where to go in the area. It's where the other believers are at. And he goes, goes to the house and he knocks on the door and Rhoda comes to the door. She's like, who is it? Well, it's, it's Peter. What? She just leaves. So excited because she saw God move in that moment, and she goes back to tell everybody, hey, hey, Peter's here? And they're like, you're crazy. Peter's dead. Maybe it's Peter's ghost. 
But it's not Peter. Peter keeps knocking. He comes in. And then he tells people this, to go and to tell everyone what had happened. That's important. That's being beyond thankful. Church, how many of you are thankful today for what God's done in your life? Tell someone about it. Are are you thankful in your salvation today? Tell someone about it. That's being beyond thankful. Man, I'm thankful today that Jesus saved me and I can keep it all right here. Not tell anyone about it. No, we need to step out of that box and say, you know what, it's time to tell people about this good news. I was so proud last night. I, I'm a little bit proud of my kids, right? Went to Tahlequah at Jolie and Summit. They, they were part of a group of just really strong believers in Jesus Christ. And they, they rented out the, the park there in big Tahlequah, America. And, and, and we're just there just to support, but I was so blessed because they get up there and they're, they're singing the gospel, they're preaching the gospel. And I mean, it was really loud, right? Like the speakers were probably too loud. I'm sure there were people saying it's too loud. But at, off every building in downtown Tahlequah, the gospel was just being reverberated. It was echoing through the town. And I'm just sitting there. Uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of trying to corral my little boy too, but, but I'm just praying, God, let the word hit hearts. God, would you do what only you can do here tonight? And why? Because if we are beyond thankful, we're going to be like Rhoda. We're not going to care if we sound crazy. We're going to go tell people the good news. Amen? We're not, we're not going to be like that. Uh, Peter finally comes to his realization. And you know what? This wasn't me getting out of prison. This wasn't my, my uh, smooth-talking tongue. This was a work of God through his angel that got me out of that, that place. Church, I want to tell you something this morning. <laughs> let's just sit down. Let's talk about it. You guys are already sitting down, so never mind. But let's think about this for a moment this morning. How many, he's going to stand up. How many of you were lost in your depravity at one point in your life? I mean, let's, let's, let's go back to that, right? Cause I know we get, we kind of get this, this mentality in the church is like, well, I was saved, you know, when I was nine years old. Well, I was too. But if it were not for God, we would all still be lost. And I'm telling you this morning, we have to be a people who are beyond thankful. And what I mean by that is that we're not just thankful. We're not just, you know, offering praise. We're not just, but, but guys, we're going out of this, this mentality and we're telling everyone we know about Jesus. Well, that, that makes sense, Daniel. You're going to Turkey. You're going to tell people about Jesus there. Yeah. But what about the people here in McLeod? Right? Are there people here that need to hear about Jesus? There may be someone right next to you this morning that needs to hear about Jesus. Being beyond thankful is being a people who say, you know what? We're going to tell everyone. Rhoda told everyone. Peter, once he finally gets in the door, don't you think he was ready to get in there? Maybe wash some of that prison smell off. He's ready to get in there and be around his people. He he finally gets in there and they're thankful. And he tells them, hey, you guys be quiet. I love how it says that he motions to them with his hand. Be quiet. <laughs> it's God that got me out of prison. Church, I want to I want to encourage you to go out into the world and say, hey, just a moment. Let me tell you about what God's done for me. Let me tell you what God's done for me and what God can do for you. It's, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? 
And I think that thankfulness for us, it's often misused because, you know what? Honestly, we're regularly blessed. We, we have blessings all the time. Don't you agree? Like we miss that point. I think we forget to be thankful because there's always good things happening to us. Our thankfulness also, it arises out of this recognition of where all blessings flow. If you realize where all your good stuff's coming from, it makes you thankful. And really makes you beyond thankful. I, I am not, uh, I'm not one that's to stand up here today and act like I'm, I'm some holy, holy, holy. But I'll tell you something, you know, when I talk about my kids or when I talk about you guys in my church, I'm blessed because God is doing this. I'm blessed because God changed the hearts of my kids. That God is changing our hearts. That God is calling you and I not just to be Baptists, not just to be religious people within the, the community, but we are called to be proclaimers of the gospel at the church. Say amen to that. We are called to that. That is exactly where you and I are, are called to today. And I love that thankfulness, true thankfulness, if you're really thinking about it today, thankfulness arises out of the impossible. I mean, this, this is a really cool story because here he is in prison. I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but the Roman government was the most powerful government in the world, right? They weren't getting out of prison. I don't care if, who was your, your uh, attorney. You're not getting out of prison. You're going to die. But out of the impossible, hope arises. You and I, we were all lost in our, our depravity. We had no hope. We had, there was nothing that could help us. There was no way we were going to get out of it on our own. But God saw fit to love us. And out of the impossible, the possible happens. Amen? I want you guys to think about it. Turn over to Exodus chapter 15. I, you know, we're looking at, of course, the, the story in Acts here, but there's a lot of, uh, a lot of telling about what happened previously in the, in the lives of the, of the Hebrew people. But in, but in, in Exodus chapter 15, we see where, um, the people have crossed out of the Red Sea, right? And they're excited. Man, God did the, He did something that no, nobody else could do. I mean, God said, I want you to leave. I want you to go out of this place. I want you to, to just not be slaves anymore. Go. And so they're going along, and all of a sudden, there's a great big body of water waiting for them. <laughs> and God's like, that's no problem. Hey, Moses, go out here, do this, this, and this. And he did it. The water parted. He says they walked right through the water. As soon as they got to the other side, water subsided with the Egyptians inside of it, right? We know that. But they get out of this, this tight situation. They were in a really tight spot, and they get out of there, and, and it says that they, they come together. And, and, and in chapter 15, we see what, what is known as the, the Song of Moses, right? And when you're reading through that, I, I, I'm not going to read through all of it this morning, but we see where, where their song is, is really lifting up the reason that they're free now. Verse 1, it says that Moses and the people, they, they sing a song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea. They're very specific with their, with their praise. I, I felt like this morning, Jesse, you guys hit the nail on the head, which is really cool seeing like a really full stage. You know, we could probably add a couple more guitars. I'm really sure of it. I love it. How good has God been? But as we were singing this morning, I'm like, 
every word that we were singing, I, I could relate to for this week. I could relate to a God who gets us out of the dark times. A God who, who brings us into this glorious light. A God who, who, even in the impossible, He's there for us. And, and these children of Israel, they come out of it and their praise song is beyond thankfulness, right? They're not just saying, man, I'm thankful. I'm thankful we didn't die in that water. I'm thankful we're not slaves anymore. I mean, they, they go beyond the thankfulness and they say it's because of God. It's God who did this. Not, it's not Moses. It's not, it's not other people. It's, it's God who has done this for us. But this is something the Lord has done in our lives. Verse 2, it says, the Lord is my strength and my song, right? And he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Who are they giving credit to here? You know, it's God, right? It's straight up. It's beyond thankfulness. They're not just like, man, whoo, that was a close one. How many times do you guys, you know, maybe you get a bad news from the doctor, and then you go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, ah, it's not that bad. So then you go home and you just don't do anything else about it. You don't thank God for it. I had a friend about a month ago, his wife went in. She had a mass on her kidney. A mass. I mean, a picture they had of this huge mass. He kind of reaches out and you know, he reached out to me and said, hey, can you pray? And I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm kind of like the believers. I'm like, oh, this doesn't sound good. A mass on the kidney is never a good thing, right? And a bunch of people started praying. She goes in the very next day, they can't find anything. It's like it wasn't even there. Do we think God in those times? You know, have you ever almost died in a car accident? <laughs> like, yeah, I have. We've all been there, right? We've all had times that the Lord blessed us and we just didn't give him thanks for it. We weren't beyond thankful in those situations. Maybe, maybe you're going to gather with your family this week. Are you going to thank God for those times? Let me call you something right now. Are you thankful that you're able to come to a safe place and worship God this morning? Right? Do we take this for granted? Do we look at the work of the church that sometimes is like a, a task? Oh, man, I got to go to church. I got to do this. I got to do that. How much can I do? There's so much to do in this church. I know there is. Believe me. But it's a blessing. So we don't come to the house of God with, with the negativity, but we come beyond thankful. We come to God saying, God, you know what? Thank you for this. If we have problems within our church, that's a good thing. I know some people say, well, that doesn't make any sense. It does make sense because I believe that God is doing a work. And, and when God kind of starts moving things around, it causes problems. Have you ever, have you ever been like maybe on a big hike or you started working out again, right? And your legs were sore. Your body was aching. And you're like, what in the world? Well, it's because you changed up your, your routine. You start doing things a little differently. I'll never forget the first time I went to Honduras. And um, I don't know what I was expecting going to a jungle, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Well, it was fun. But my first day, we were hiking through jungle. The humidity was like 532%, you know. And uh, the sun's beating down. I mean, literally, you could feel your skull just like cooking. It's so hot in that jungle. There's, of course, you can imagine what's in a jungle, right? I'm talking, I mean, we're, we're two or three days from civilization, and I use that term loosely. 
but you kind of get out in the jungle there and you're hiking and you're like, man, where, where are we at? And, and after a little bit, you start to notice, you know, even that fancy backpack that you bought from REI or wherever, you know, you think, man, this is going to fit. All of, all of a sudden, it's starting to hurt your back a little bit. Your feet, uh, the fancy shoes that you might have bought. You know, I bought some nice Merrill hiking shoes, right? You know, I got the Vibram sole. It doesn't matter in the jungle. Oh, these are waterproof. Well, good luck because you're sweating from the inside too, right? You're not going to be dry in a jungle. I began to, to stretch bits and pieces of what I knew in my own life. My body was experiencing things that were different. I was two days, you know, out from my family. It's not like I could just, oh, something bad happens at home, I'll just go home. No, I mean, it'd take me a week to get home, you know? That uncomfortableness, I think sometimes we need to understand that, that God is trying to use us in those times to grow us. God wants to use us. And, 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 I, and I have no doubt, let's think about this for a moment. Those children of Israel, as they were following God through the, through, through getting out of, out of their bondage, they weren't used to walking. They'd been sitting on their rear ends and working as, you know, just, yeah, they were building pyramids or whatever, I guess. But, but at the same time, they weren't accustomed to being people who walked. But God got them through it. Now, you know they weren't perfect, right? Did they complain in the, in the wilderness? <laughs> yeah. Did they turn their back on Moses when Moses went up to go pray to God? Yes. They were not perfect, guys. They were not beyond thankful. But I, I, I caution us today that we don't become religious. I caution us today that we don't you know, neglect the, the fact that God is trying to grow us here. And then if we're sore, and if we have a little bit of things, maybe they're going a little bit differently for us than we're used to, it's okay because who's in control? It's God. Verse 7, it says, In the greatness of your majesty, they're continuing their praise to God. You overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. Who alone, apart from God, can consume our enemies? Right? And when we talk about enemies, we talk today in, in one of the songs, right? About a God who, who defeats our enemies. Your enemy's not your people sitting here in this building, by the way, okay? <laughs> you know, your, your enemy is not that. Your, your enemies are the ones that are coming against the work of God in your life. Your enemy could be Facebook or Twitter. Your enemy could be a society, a culture that's increasingly turning their back on God. I, I, I hurt for, um, you know, even in our community, the brokenness that I experience daily. The brokenness in, in our people in America. And the brokenness there exists not because of anything other than sin. That's it. People turning their back against God, right? Verse 11, who is like you? Have you ever went to God and just said, God, there is no one like you? Their praise continues with this this thought, it's beyond being thankful. God, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? I like it that they say, God, who is there like you among the lowercase g gods, right? That was a jab at their captivity. Because in their captivity, they had all these gods that were being shoved in their face. But they said, there's no one like you. There's no one like you, God. Who is like you? There's no one like you. Verse 13 says, You've led your steadfast love 
the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. It is God that's going to get us where we need to go. It's God, God alone. The peoples have heard, they've trembled, pangs that have seized the inhabitants of Philistia, and now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab, and the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread. I mean, they're, they're just talking about how powerful is God? They know how powerful he is because the world's like, oh no. Have you ever wondered why the world is so much against Christianity? You ever thought about that before? I don't see like groups that, you know, spend their time to go against Buddhism. You don't see it. I don't, I don't ever see that. We got to come against the Buddhists, right? Come against Christ because there's truth in that. I believe at the heart of every human, they know that there's truth out there and Jesus fits that bill. And if they have a problem with Jesus, it's because, it's because of rebellion in their heart. But you and I, we have this opportunity to become people who are beyond thankful. I am beyond thankful for what the Lord is doing in my life. Even if the world brings me its worst. Even if the world crashes down around us, God is still good. God is still the one that sets us free. Who is like our God? There's no one. The nations tremble at, at who God is. Go down to verse 18. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Let the church say amen to that. Be reminded of that. I don't, I don't know what you're going through this morning, but here's what I do know is that you don't have to go through it alone. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not alone this morning because God is going to reign forever and ever. It says, for when the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots, oh wait, they go back to the story, right? Hey, don't forget this. When, when this happens, when the, the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen went to the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them, but the people of Israel walked on a muddy road. No, <laughs> they walked on dry ground, right? I mean, God didn't just say, hey, I want you to walk across this muddy road here. God made it possible for them to get through it. I want you to understand something this morning. That whatever God's bringing us through, He's going to bring us through on dry ground. I'm not saying your feet might not get dirty. They probably will. I mean, can you imagine what the bottom of the Red Sea smelt like? <laughs> I've thought about that. A couple weeks ago, a month or two or so ago, they drained the ponds down here at the, at the park, right? We go down there all the time. And when they drain those ponds, it stung. Man, it's like, what in the world is this? God brought them through all of that. That stinky mess. And at the end of the day, who was like their God? And church, man, I again, I don't know what this world's going to bring us. I know a lot of people, they, 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 they say, well, you know, we're just going through rough times. So we can go through rough times and that's okay because at the end of the day, God's going to bring us through it. In spite of ourselves even. So they have this whole praise time, right? And then verse 20, we read where Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, that she takes this tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with the tambourines and they began to dance. Oh no. I wonder what would happen if, in a very real sense, if people got up and really started dancing on Sunday mornings here. 
I'm not talking about making some charismatic statement, but I'm saying that the joy of the Lord is over you so much you can't contain your feet, you can't contain your voice, you can't contain your hand from slapping a tambourine around. What would happen? You know what? I look at this picture and I see a people who are beyond thankful. It's not normal for them. They, they hadn't been doing this, right? They've been in captivity. They, they've been under a, a captor that they couldn't get away from and now they're free and now they're just worshiping God with their whole hearts. They've dropped everything and I mean to the point that the women are getting up and they're dancing. Which by the way, it's not a dirty dancing, okay? This is a very holy, clean, praiseworthy dance. It's a, it was a, an expression of what God was doing in their lives. What do you mean, Daniel? How do, how do you know that? Well, look at verse 21. Miriam saying to them, sing to the Lord. <laughs> right? Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The, the horse and his rider, he is thrown into the sea. Church, we have a reason today to be beyond thankful. Amen? Look, look at the thankfulness of, of our brothers here. Uh, the first thing I would say this morning is that uh, their thankfulness was, was given in the moment. They didn't wait. Okay, and here's what we do a lot of times. God blesses us and maybe we do or maybe we don't say thank you, God. God does something great in your life and you're just like, oh, that's awesome. And you just kind of go on and you never like officially give him thanks. You don't even live, you don't even really live thankful about it. I mean, I've had things happen to me. I'll, I'll talk about myself. I've had great things. God get me out of a, a, a tight spot or whatever. And then like, I'm like, man, that's really cool. And then I just go about my life and I don't ever tell anybody about it. I don't ever use it as part of my testimony. I'm just like, uh, th there's times in my life, I wish I would have wrote down everything God's done in my ministry that I've got to do for the Lord. Not to brag about myself, but to show who God is. There's a lot of stuff I hadn't written down. There's a lot of stuff I've forgotten. But what I can learn from these, these Hebrews is that they took time in that moment Right then and there, they didn't go to some studio and produce this music, right? Like Miriam didn't learn how to play a tambourine, per se. It says that in the moment they gave thanks. Church, we've got to be those people that in the moment we give thanks. We don't wait around. And we see that, that they just, man, as soon as they get out of captivity, man, it's time to worship. Here's what I, I think we need to get across our minds sometimes. We, guys, every day is a good day to worship God. It's not just here in the morning, once a week. It's every single day. And when we realize and when we see that God has blessed us, man, we praise God right there. We thank God right there. We, we, we praise Him in the moment. We are thankful in the moment. Isn't that good? Second thing I would say this morning is that their thankfulness was powered by the Lord. That's important. And the reason I say this is like, we're, we're to give thanks in the moment, but I think we're also to give thanks in a way that is more powerful than our own thanks. Again, back to the idea of we're beyond thankful. If you're looking to Jesus, if you're looking to Christ, you're not looking around you, you're not, you're not looking at all the negativity, you're not looking at all, well, well, this is what I want, or this is what, whatever. You're looking to God, you say, God, what is your will for my life? When you're looking to God in that way, your prayer life, your work life, your family life, your missionary life, whatever it is that God's doing with you right now, your thankfulness is going to be powered by the Lord and that is way more powerful than your own personal thankfulness. You know? 
You guys ever been to, um, there's this really nice restaurant. It's called uh, Chick-fil-A. It's like French or something, right? And those people at Chick-fil-A always say something whenever you order, right? What do they say? It's my pleasure. Every time, right? It's interesting to me because people were asking, why, why do they always say it's my pleasure? You know, they don't say you're welcome. I read about that, and, and the owner of Chick-fil-A, he's, he, he instructs his people to say that, which so don't get, like, you know, depressed now, right? <laughs> well, I thought they were really meaning that. Well, I think they do mean that. But when they say, it's my pleasure, it, it stops the conversation. There's not, like, a, uh, a need for you to say anything else. They're literally saying in that moment, it is my pleasure. If they say, you're welcome... There may be like a maybe a, a, a continued expression back and forth where you need to outdo them, right? Nope. They're just saying, it's my pleasure. And you're just kind of left with like, I don't know what to say right now, right? <laughs> it's your pleasure. Okay. It's really your pleasure to give me more Chick-fil-A sauce? Okay. All right. That's, that's what you like in life? Amen? I know I like it. I'm glad somebody likes to give it to me too, right? So that's good. But you can say thank you to someone and it can just be kind of obvious. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. You know, I had a, I had a uh, brother in Christ bring me like a, a very, a very good thing this, this morning. It touched my heart. My thankfulness wasn't just like, oh, thanks, you know, like somebody says, hey, you want a piece of gum? Yeah, thanks. No, I mean, that thankfulness that I had was very, very emotional, very tear driving. Because sometimes we all need that, right? Our thankfulness should be powered by the Lord. I mean, our thankfulness needs to be deeper. Their, their worship of God wasn't just like, well, thanks God for letting us out. We're going to go do our own thing now. No, their praise wasn't just like, thank you, God. We'll see you later when we need you again. Their thankfulness was like, man, we're staying with you, God. Who is like you? There's no one. There's no one like you. I'm going to stay with you, God. Because no one compares to you. Their thankfulness was powered by God. C.S. Lewis, he said that we ought to give thanks for all fortune. If it's good, because it is good. If bad, because it works in us. Patience and humility and contempt of this world and the hope of our eternal country. Lewis understood that, that, that when we... When we're going through rough times, we don't have to give thanks for what's happening to us, but we can give thanks that God is right there with us. If you're going through a really tough medical time right now, you don't have to say, man, God, thank you for this backache. I really love this. If you get a flat tire, God, thank you for this flat tire. Woo! Hallelujah. But you know what we can be thankful for? God, I'm glad that you're here with me. Now, maybe while I'm changing this tire, you're going to teach me something. I, some of the things I've learned in life, the deepest things I've learned in life were when I was taken off course, or what I thought was course. But I was taken somewhere where I hadn't planned to go. And I get over there, and it's like the Lord just slaps me and says, here, here's some good stuff, right? God is in us even in the darkest of times. Their thankfulness, man, you know, I, I doubt they were like, woo, I'm glad we were slaves for 300 years. Man, that's awesome. Woohoo! But I guarantee at the end of the day, they were like, God, man, I'm glad you were there with us. You held us together. You never left us. You never forsook us. You were always with us. So we understand that the thankfulness is, it needs to be powered by the Lord. 
How good is that? The last thing I would say this morning is um, their thankfulness was contagious. Now, we live in a day and age where COVID has been contagious for a long time now, right? I mean, we're kind of to a point now where we're like, uh, it's everywhere. So we were like, we probably get COVID once a week now. I mean, that's probably kind of where we're at, right? We're not scared of it anymore. We're not shutting down Walmart. Thank the Lord. <laughs> We've kind of gotten past that point. I, I was just thinking of the day, you know, like when that was, uh, President Trump was dropping the orders, you know, we're going to shut everything down. I'll never forget that Sunday night. I, I, I went to Walmart and I was like, you know, every red-blooded American, I went and bought me a bunch of beans, and toilet paper, and ammo, just so, you know, I, just in case, you never know. I remember I did that. I did. Because they, they said, hey, it's, everything's going to get shut down. That means trucking, you know, supply lines are going to be, sh- they're going to be done. But even in the darkest of times, I want you guys to understand this, that when we're thankful, that spreads to everyone around us. That, that when we're thankful to, to who God is, when we're beyond thankful, people notice that. If you're thankful for what God's doing in your life, your neighbors will notice that. And it's not you being some braggart. It's not you being some holy, holy person. It's you just being a follower of God saying, you know what? My God is bigger than anything else in this world. And I thank him for what he's brought me through. It's contagious. You know how the gospel works, right? It works when we proclaim who God is and what he's done for you and I. When we live beyond thankful. Really, the message of the gospel is you and I being thankful to who God is. I was thinking last night that those those young folks were up there and they're, man, just preaching the gospel, singing the gospel, just being like a light in that very dark place. And um, a couple of more like, man, I wish there'd been a, little, a few more that showed up. But there was a good crowd showed up. But I think they were kind of imagining like, you know, a multitude of people showing up. And I said, you know what? The, the thing about it is, is that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, we we work for an audience of one. I mean, yeah, do we like to reach a lot of people? Absolutely. But the thing is, is that when we lift Jesus up, he draws people to him. It's out of our hands, in other words, right? Who is like our God? There's no one like our God. There's no one. And our thankfulness, we should be on, be beyond that whole idea of thankfulness. It's contagious. I love it when you look at Miriam. You know, again, let's go back to Miriam. I'm talking about this woman dancing with a tambourine, right? But Miriam... She, it says she gets up and she dances, and then what happens? A bunch of people follow her, and they start dancing too. Years ago, we, we started a thing at, at Falls Creek. Uh, I actually started at kids' camp, and we were trying to think of a way to like wear the kids down at night so they'd go to sleep, right? We tried all kinds of stuff. But, but your pastor, in my younger days, I probably still do it, but we did this thing called a hoedown. I know, we're Baptists, I get it. But we'd play, I'd play some like really just kind of over the top, like bluegrass music, right? And we'd get out there, I mean, we had like a square dance, right? You got them kids and we're all just, you know, doing this kind of thing and, and do-si-do and all that fun stuff and it would wear the kids down. By the time we got done with that, we'd do our devotion and they were ready for sleep. <laughs> so we kept doing it. And we got, you know, we did it for a couple of years and then I go to Falls Creek and I'm like, I need to wear these kids down because I'm ready to go to sleep. There's a, there's like a theme in my life. I'm always wanting to go to sleep, right? I'm like, how can we do that? Well, we started doing the hoedown. 
with those kids. Well, actually, some of those kids had moved on up into the youth group, and they were they were wanting to do it. And what was a something that that was really <laughs> on my part? I was just being, you know, I just want to get kids tired. It became a, a time of of really just joy. These kids would just get together, and before we would, you know, settle down for the night, you know, get our final word from the Lord for the day, and then go to bed and get some rest before the next day. Uh, it became a time of just joy. It was contagious. It was contagious. How do we continue to grow joy within our own church? Man, share it. What's God doing in your life? You know what? I like to hear that from people. What is God doing in your life? What has he brought you through this week? You know, uh, we, we kind of went through some stuff this week uh, as a family, and we're not through it. You know? You ever been there? Now, there's not there's not like a like a light a glorious light at the end of the tunnel, but we're dealing with it. And the one thing I do know is I could sit here in, in self pity, or I could say, you know what, God, who's there like you? I don't like what's going on. I don't like what's happening right now. I know, God, you can get us through anything. Your thankfulness is contagious, and and I think God it, God designed it that way. He He wants He wants this all to be shared. With the world. What is God doing in your life? We are standing here today, sitting here today in our church, and we're talking about some people who God set free from being prisoners, from being slaves. God set them free, and today you and I are talking about their testimony. You want to know how powerful it is? Man, I, I pray that what we're known as, if, if the Lord tarries in 2,000 years from now, there are people hearing about First Baptist Church in McLeod, I pray that they're like, man, we need to be like those people at First Baptist Church McLeod. Last week, we talked about the church in Antioch, right? What were they known for? That was where people were first known as Christians. I want to be known like that, don't you? Because honestly, most of our churches, if we were to be honest, most churches are just known for how many times they've split or how many pastors they've had. Or how many scandals have went on within the church, right? I'm not, I don't think I'm making this up this morning. This is what churches are known for. You know what instead we should be known for? Our ability to tell the world that we are beyond thankful for what God has done in our lives. Because it's contagious, because it's powered by the Lord, and because it is something that we do in the moment. We practice it every single day. Church, are you thankful this morning? And I, I hope you find a turkey this week. I heard they're, <laughs> I heard they're having a hard time uh, supplying turkeys. I guess because of COVID. I don't know. Maybe it's bird flu. I needed the drummer up here for that one, but uh, <laughs> it, it just didn't fly as well without you, man. So, but as we're kind of wrapping this up this morning, and and our worship team is going to lead us out with a song. I, I'll leave you with a, a quote by J.I. Packer. J.I. Packer says this. He says, we need to discover all over again that worship is natural to the Christian. That's a good reminder, isn't it? It's natural. Now, we, we tend to think, well, I'm going to worship God when I go to church. No, it's something you do all the time. It's not just a, it, my brother would agree with it. It's not a style of worship, right? It's not just a specific time of week. We as Christians, we Worship God. We are thankful to God in the moment because we're powered by Him and because we understand that it's going to affect the people around us. It's contagious. We need to discover all over again that worship is natural 
to the Christian. As natural as it was to the godly Israelites who wrote the Psalms, and that the habit of celebrating the greatness and graciousness of God, it yields an endless flow of thankfulness, of joy, and zeal. Your thankfulness to God, your worship of God is deeper than just saying, well, we got to sing three songs, right? And an altar call. We're worshiping God because we are, we're being a light to the world. And because it's in our worshipfulness that we know that God is glorified. Are you beyond thankful? And I, as you go into this time of, of the holidays and all that fun stuff, I, I want you just to, to be mindful of that. God, would you make me a person who is beyond thankful? That you make me a person who wants to share this good news? That you make me a person who, who, who doesn't forget and that I, I worship you in the moment. I'm thankful for you in the moment. Guys, I, I think we just need to remember that this week. And why is that? Here's the thing. But you all say, we're going to be with family this week. Man, I want to send you guys forth as missionaries to your families. I want to send you guys forth as missionaries to your friends. Um, we walked in TJ Maxx yesterday, and I was like, what has happened here? I, I've never been in that TJ Maxx where there was more than like three people. And there was like 5,000 people in that TJ Maxx yesterday. I was like, I'm just wanting to buy some underwear, you know? I mean, that's all I'm wanting here. <laughs> Thank you. But I'm reminded that people need the Lord, don't they? They need the Lord way more than they need cheap underwear. They need the Lord today because it's in His providence that He's chosen to love the world. And He get, He's chosen to use us today. May we be thankful that even if we're in TJ Maxx, that we're thankful. For our family function this week, we're thankful that as we come to service next week, we're thankful. Next week, I, uh, before I, I close this in prayer, next week we're going to have a special time, which a bunch of y'all have signed a, a paperwork saying you're going to pray for my brother, Jess, and I, as we go into different country to worship and to, uh, to tell people about Jesus. But um, next week, we're going to have a, a little time of, of sending, right? And, and I want to invite you guys to, to come with that attitude. You know, I, I want to invite you to bring someone with you next week. Because I believe that's contagious, don't you? I believe it's something that people, they see that. that you know, It's not just, and Clayton, you mentioned it, man. It's like... Uh, it's not just that we're going, but you guys are going with us, right? Because you've supported us in prayer and all of that. You've, you've supported us, and so it's like a group effort, but it's all glory to the Lord. Next week, we're going to remember God there, and also we're going to remember God through, through, through communion. And I want you to understand today that as a church, we are a thankful people. Let that shape who you are truthfully, amen? Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your grace. God, I know that you're, your word is true. Who is like you, God? There is no one like you. And I pray that we as the church will go from this place living 100% for you, God. That we understand that we need to give thanks right now. That we understand that true thankfulness comes when we are powered by your redemptive work in our lives. And God, I pray that we're contagious to the whole world. I pray that McLeod becomes a more thankful place because right here we started being truly thankful. God, I pray for those in this place who may not know you. Lord, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. None of us stand here bragging about ourselves. We just brag about a good and gracious God who says that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. God, would you call people to repentance as well today? To you be all glory from whom all blessings flow in your most holy name.